I want to preach you a message this morning and, and really just go after something. Um, this morning, if I would have entitled it, I would call it the fire of God. The fire of God. Tonight, we're going to essentially create an altar and, and, and allow God to just do what He wants to do in this room. Uh, there will be a word, but, but, but I think some things need to be placed on the altar so that our hearts are open, uh, that our mind's eyes are open, our spirit is ready to receive when God pours out. I heard Paul Scanlon say this week, he said, there is no such thing as the move of God. And I was like, I leaned straight into that. And when he said, there is no such thing as the move of God, he put it into context to say that God has always been moving. So when we articulate this is the move, whether it's an Instagram, a social media post or whatever, uh, we're actually diminishing the fact that God is doing things in big churches, in local churches. Uh, sometimes we can have a conference God and we can have a Sunday God. And how many of you know the conference God is almost like Father Claus or Santa, Christmas, Santa Claus and, and we get <laughs> gifts and extra anointing and extra outpouring when really it's the heart of hunger that comes into that place and the atmosphere has been set. So to call different stagnations or representations of God, I think, does it injustice. And I felt while I was watching Jesse preach the message, in fact, I just got uh, rerouted, if you will, while she was preaching and just what the Lord was speaking to me. And she spoke about go again, go again. And I, I think it's important to understand that God is doing something significant. Even now, as I stand here and preach, not because I'm in the front row and the lights are on me and there's... 200 people looking at me, but I just sense such an overwhelming presence of God in this room. And, and it's not just the, the, the emotion of the music, because there is none right now. And I just want to say that I feel like God is saying uh, that we have experienced what we've experienced in the last 35 years. We're about to experience exponential of that now, but that's not because God's going to do something new or something exponential uh, in the context of more, uh, but hearts are going to get hungrier, that people are going to get more desperate, that there's actually a dry kindling within our heart that needs to be laid on the altar. And here's the thought that I had, and I felt like it was God, is we need to understand that when the fire of God falls, the river of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the wind, the wave, whatever expression is used to talk about when God moves in an atmosphere, a room, or a setting like this, that we need to understand that it is more than just a good time to feel good. Absolutely, healing comes and there will be tears. Absolutely, when the joy comes, it transforms a life and, and we will laugh. But when God's fire comes, more happens. Recently, in fact, last Thursday, I came out of the hospital Saturday and my pool had started to go all funny colours, so I backwashed it. I went round to the side and we recently had a plumber there. And, and it, about 40 seconds into the backwash where the water flows out into the drains, the two drains on the side of my house, like fire hydrants, went and they shot sewage or stormwater straight up through the ground. So I ran back and, and smashed the pool pump, forgot to turn it off, kind of blew up the whole system. And how many of you know that's a good thing after you just had a baby? And, and so I called my plumber and I used to do drain laying and he said, Justin, what you need to do is you need to get the blueprints. You need to get the plans from council. See, most of our houses will have plans and if you have a plan, what that does is it allows you to articulate where certain inspection chambers are, where certain drains are, and, and it will give you the fastest route to get there. Otherwise, I would be like Bugs Bunny and my yard would have a hundred different holes dug up where I'm trying to guess what's going on, what's going on here. It's going to waste time. It's going to become 
mundane. It's, 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 it's just not going to serve its purpose. And you know what I love about the Word of God is it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. I love when I read the Scripture, even though I'm talking about a, a nowadays, post-cross, uh, the time where we're living in, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I can look at a story like Exodus chapter 3 and it can give me a blueprint, not to box God in in any way, shape or form, but it can actually give me a blueprint for times and encounters that we're experiencing now. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses has an encounter with what we know as the burning bush. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but essentially Moses uh, and most of us in this room, I assume, would know Moses. He is wandering. He is looking around on a specific mountain, looking after his father-in-law's sheep. Uh, and he was the priest of Midian. The Bible says that he led this flock into the wilderness onto Mount Hor, which is otherwise known as the Mount of God. The Bible says that an angel of the Lord appeared in what looked like a burning bush. So in the context of the fire and the relevance of this story isn't like the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost, but we can actually take similarities out of what happened in that moment of Moses encountering the fire to what happens when we are baptized in the fire of God. When the fire of God comes, there's actually a blueprint. We can get uh, uh, time frames, we can get analogies, we can get an understanding to what God does in the moment where his fire is poured out. And again, this isn't a theology, but this is what the Lord spoke to me about as I was reading through scripture and just praying after last Sunday's morning. As Moses is standing there, the Bible says he looked and he saw the fire and he thought to himself, I'm going to go over to check this out. The Bible says that God was off to one side and I have this picture in my mind's eye of God standing there watching to see what Moses is going to do. The Bible says the moment that Moses saw the fire and it started to walk towards it, God was in the fire. God's looking for whether we're going to honor his presence. God's looking for whether we're going to honor a move of what's going on. God's looking for us to respond to the supernatural. And so when Moses comes to the fire of God, there is this dialogue and conversation that takes place. Understanding, once again, Moses isn't shaking, he isn't laughing. But what God has said about this particular moment is that this is a holy moment, that this place is holy ground. So what God says to Moses, take off your shoes and step into it. How many of you know, I feel it right now. I feel like this is a holy moment. There were specific times during worship which seemed like, like a rise in a holy moment, not to diminish and say one was better than the other. We were all in this moment of holiness. We didn't necessarily take off our shoes, but we're standing here in this holy moment. And what God actually essentially does is he gives Moses a blueprint to the plan and the purpose that he has for Moses' life. So I want to give you seven things today, maybe six, depending on the time, of what we can expect. And remember, it's one thing to come into an atmosphere or a revival meeting, manifest presence conference, which is coming up at the end of the year, or, or whatever else is going on, or go to a Rodney Howard Brown conference or a Bill Johnson, or just come to Presence Church and experience the presence of God. But it's another thing to actually know that there is more than just an experience that should come out of when God has touched your life. And once again, I want to be really clear. I'm not trying to say that this is the be-all and end-all of when God's fire touches your life or you're in an atmosphere or a room of the presence. But this gives us some pretty clear plans for what God's intention is when the fire of God comes. We know 
And I know there's significantly three times, one where Elijah came up against the prophets of Baal when he called down fire, and we know that was God responding. The purpose of the fire coming in that moment was to turn the hearts of Israel who had gone after uh, uh, worshipping idols and pagan idol tree, the, uh, the idol Baal. God moved in such a way through Elisha's anointing and through Elisha calling down fire so that he would turn the hearts of the people back towards him. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit poured out and what tongues, what looks of fire, the baptism of fire, the Holy Spirit, when that was poured out upon the people in the upper room, the Bible says that after that, and the point of that, when Jesus said, go and wait for the gift that my Father will give you, it wasn't just so that they could have like a cool Holy Ghost meeting. In fact, they didn't even know what a Holy Ghost meeting was up until that point. The whole point of it was so they would be empowered and jute with a dunamis power that was nothing like they originally carried, were aware of, or even had, except for being in the presence of Jesus. But he said, when the power of God comes on you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the power and the anointing in that moment will enable you to be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. In other words, when the presence, when the joy, when the, the wave of the Holy Spirit, when the fire of God touches, there is such a bigger purpose than just to have a good meeting and then go home and go to sleep and go to work the next day. And I feel like that's what God is saying to us through this word this morning. The first thing I see in verse 8 and 9 is the why of God's fire. And you can take this, I believe Holy Spirit's going to translate this to you, but in verse 8, God is speaking to Moses and he says, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. See, when God came and revealed his fire to Moses and Moses had that experience with God, God's attention, yes, was absolutely on Moses in that moment. But God's intent for Moses was then to be used to go and rescue people. To actually, think God was thinking about a bigger picture. Uh, God is always thinking about the bigger picture. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 25, the last paragraph of uh, the chapter before, the Bible says this, God saw the sons of Israel. In other words, God saw his people and God took notice of them and was concerned about them, knowing all, understanding all, and remembering all. The reality is, is when we encounter the presence of God, and the scripture says here, whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. In other words, the impartation and the fire of God, one is to equip us, one is to protect us, one is to lead us, one is to reveal who Jesus is, to reveal the love of God. There's so many different elements, but one of the key reasons why the presence and the fire of God falls on someone is so that they can be equipped to go to a community that God has in mind. My language isn't doing justice for what my heart is feeling in this. The second thing that stands out to me is when the presence and the fire and the manifestation of Holy Spirit pours out, is people are instilled with purpose. Verse 10, the scripture says this. It says, so now go, I am sending you, he's sending Moses to Pharaoh, always get his name wrong, to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. See, in this moment, Moses was just tending his flocks. He was like pretty much working for his wife, for, for his father-in-law, Midian. But God saw him and said, no, 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 there is a problem that I have over here. And with my fire, I'm going to get Moses' attention. He's going to step into a place of holy ground. I'm going to reveal my plan. And then I'm actually going to speak purpose over Moses' life. 
It's interesting that God chose Moses to go back into an environment that he was very uncomfortable with. In fact, one that he left and ran away from. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says this, it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches us even the depths of God. The word therefore revealed, now God has revealed these things, is apakalupo, and I'm not going to try and say that twice, but it means to unveil, to reveal, uncover. Hear this, God has supernaturally, this is what this word means when it's talking about revealed, God has supernaturally pulled back the veil that previously obscured your view and blocked God's plan from your sight. It was the Holy Spirit who actually carried out this operation that Peter, uh, Paul is talking about and made all of these ones concealed, all of these once concealed things now visible, the fire of God. It's to pull back the veil of the flesh that you look through so that you can see the divine purpose of what God was wanting to say. I love this. Rick Renner said this about this context. He said, truthfully, God gave us brains so that we could use them. No one's saying don't use your intellect. You remember if you're all spirit, you blow up and I know there's something else to that. I, uh, I don't know the rest. Truthfully, God gave our brains so that we could use them. And we need to learn how to use them well. But there are some things that the mind alone can never perceive. If we are ever going to see those spiritual truths, everything that Jesus talked about in the kingdom culture, we will have, an ex we will have to have an experience of the supernatural that will open our eyes to them. Amen. Now, I just wrote here as I was praying last week before I added any content, someone needs to stop asking God for more equipping. And you need to just go. The third thing, I think it's the third thing that stands out, is insecurities are touched. When the fire of God comes, the why to God, the plan that God has for you is revealed. And secondly, the purpose for your life is revealed. Thirdly, insecurities start to burn off. I know in 2005, it was in uh, November of 2005, I'd said for years and years, fourth generation pastor's kid deported from New Zealand using heroin and ice and amphetamines, looking at porn and all this stuff. But on that particular night with the fire of God poured out on my life, I know it was the beginning. I couldn't articulate all these things, the why, the how and this. But I know in that moment was the beginning of an insecurity starting to break off my life. And now I know why so many times God has poured out His Spirit. One, because I've placed myself in an environment. But I want to tell you, if you want insecurities to break off your life, become a sacrifice at the altar so God can burn on you. Because a holy God can change in a minute what therapy can take 10 years to do. I'm not diminishing it. I'm not undermining it. In fact, I say that that is good. If we're going to go again and we're going to be people that go again, we need to have fire encounters with God. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, if God's not moving, then I'm going to move God. The first time I heard that, I thought that was arrogant. The second time I thought about it, I thought that's awesome, saying that I just want more of God. I want more of God at all costs, and I'm going to put myself there. I'm going to call down fire. I'm going to do whatever I can to experience more of God. See, Moses was warranted in his insecurity. Moses was someone that grew up in the house of the king. He was someone that grew up, and when God said to him, and this is unique, when God said to him, I want you to go to rescue my people, 
Moses, one of two things happened, I believe. Moses understood that the people that God was calling him to rescue actually weren't quite cool. Like, even though he was one of them, he was still, like, different. He was still separated. He was still the guy who murdered the, uh, the, 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 the Egyptian and then ran away and didn't know who he was. And secondly, when Moses thought, I assume, uh, that God had this plan for him, Moses, I think, would have understood that going back into the presence of a king who he ran away from because he murdered someone could be life and death. So Moses had justification to be insecure. You know, it was in a moment of encountering the fire. I don't know if I was down there or I was up here on the stage, but the Lord actually spoke to me, and this is kind of funny, but he said, Justin, I felt this in my heart, and you can read what you want. But he said, Justin, I think I was down here, I remember it in my mind's eye. He said, Justin, I want you to go back to Howick. There's a street called Wellington Street. I want to tell you all the insecurities in my heart jumped at this moment. And I want you to get a tent and I want you to start doing a tent meeting. And I've written that down and it was only about three or four weeks ago. In fact, when I was having lunch with Pastor Dan that the Lord started to rumble this again. I'm like, why can't I stop thinking about this? And then when Pastor Dan and I were talking, who was here, Dan Bates, the other day, I said, bro, if I went to Howick and I got a tent, and my dad said, you should get a tent, so I think you should be in on this would you come with me and we'll go do and he said send me like a photo map blueprint of the area so right now him and I are praying about having a tent meeting why because I was once upon a time and that's not to say anything I want to tell you the fear of the Lord is in me when I think about this insecurities raised because that was the area I was a rascal like I was a criminal I used to do some stupid things although I had a good heart the devil had a grip on me at that particular point in my life I was deported I was arrested a lot of things happen there, but I feel like what God is saying, that through the encounters and through the fire and through the touch and now the anointing, if we go there and position ourselves, that God will do something supernatural to that town and that area that needs it more than ever before. The next thing, when God touches you and the fire of God touches you, and remember we're talking about it not just being a good time for a night and a meeting and then we go away and think we'll come back. No, there's, there's a point to what God is doing. There is a point to his presence. There is a point to the Holy Spirit. The next thing is influence comes on your life. Influence comes on your life. In verse 18, the scripture says this, and Moses is questioning God. In verse 18, it says, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Remember that this is Moses who ran away. He had insecurities. He had essentially no reason or platform to be able to walk into the camp and to speak to the leaders of the Israelite people. God said, the elders and the Israelites will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to them, The Lord, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. And let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. You know, we uh, had some videos that we were going to play. We didn't, for whatever reason. But Pastor Joel, a good friend of mine over at Glow Church, Joel, myself, and four other leaders actually sit on the regional committee overseeing the churches of the Gold Coast in the context of the ACC, and Pastor Corey Turner as well. Uh, Pastor Russell Evans was here in town, who leads Planet Shakers the other day, uh, when Dan Bates was here, and Dan and I, and not Russell, but they had a conversation, and he was just honoring the signs and the fact that we are Presence Church and speaking into the life of Chrissy and I and Richard. And, and, you know, these are people who once upon a time I would look to and think I would never, ever be in a sphere of, 
I would never have an opportunity to talk to, not that I admired them, not that I even thought like the pastoral circle was cool or anything like that, but what I see is they're men of God who have significant anointings on them to do specific things. And now where God has brought us into a circle, when I would get touched by the Holy Ghost here or when I was in transformations, getting baptized in the fire of God over here, I now know that what God was doing was wiping away insecurities. He was putting a why in my life. He was giving purpose to my life. He, he, he was touching... Uh, and causing influence, I want to tell you, we should be hungering for more of God. There is a reason why the baptism of the Holy Spirit that took place in Acts chapter 2 isn't the only mention of the time where the fire of God poured out. In Acts chapter 5, when they gathered together and they shared testimony of what happened in jail, the Bible says when they finished praying, the ground that they were standing on was shaken. And, and, and as it was shaken, they were all baptized again, filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we need to get a continual filling of the Spirit of God that will take us from platform to platform, and I'm not talking about stage, I'm talking about different levels of knowing who God is and what God has called us to do. You don't have to have a microphone to be an influencer for the kingdom of God. None of the disciples ever did. In fact, Jesus actually didn't 90% of the time, but that's where he made most impact on this earth. If I haven't already said it, I would say favor. Moses was given favor by God in that moment. There was a kingdom favor. How many of you know when God, the creator of heavens and earth, is on your side? He's got your back. That there is a supernatural favor that doesn't come in the natural. It's super. If it was the natural, it wouldn't be God. It's the supernatural. John 14, verse 25 and 26. I have spoken these things to you while I remain, Jesus said to the disciples. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you these things. And he will remind you everything I have told you. If the Spirit of God, who is in conversation with the Father, Jesus, in the context of the Trinity, is revealing things that have come from the Creator of the heavens and earth, and he's revealing things about the kingdom of God, how much more of an advantage do we have in everything that we touch in our life when we know that it's coming from the promotion and it's been brought to the forefront of our mind's eye from our spirit, which has come from God? See, I don't know about you, but even as I'm preaching this, I'm starting to think, wow, I've probably actually watered down divine encounters where I've had with God, whether it be driving in my car, whether it be in the auditorium, whether it be praying in a prayer meeting. Those moments of encounter is where God is instilling, He's bestowing, He's putting something, a garment on you for such a time as this. I'm going to get the worship team back with me, please. When Moses was imparted with provision that came from this experience, and again, please hear me again, I'm not boxing this in, this isn't just what happens every time, but when I sat back and looked at these points, and then I choreographed with different times in my life where I've encountered God, and I read through the book of generals, and I've studied revival, and all the things I've looked at, there's just a lining up of when God touches people, there are significant things that actually happen in those people's lives. It would be just a, just a darn shame to have an encounter with the fire of God and go out thinking, cool, that was that done, now I'm going on to the next thing. But if you could transition, and this may be your takeaway thought, to go away and just process, okay, God, I remember when you did that. It might be 2005, November 20. God, uh, one, maybe I need to ask your forgiveness for that moment where I just kind of took it for granted that your presence was there. 
God, can you just show me what the why was in that moment? Have I missed something? God, can you show me, am I walking in the purpose that you have called? I love what Jessie said. She said when the prophet or whoever it was called her out, she'd arrived at the meeting late. Again, I'm watching, streaming. Hello to everyone that's watching online. Uh, But as she said, the prophet called her out. She said the thing about wobbly legs, jelly legs. And she said, he gave me a prophetic word, which then I based my whole life around and focused it on that prophetic word, which has then led her to platforms and promotions. When she came here on Sunday, she'd just been in Melbourne and she'd just been somewhere before that. As you heard, their music is touching millions of people all over the planet. This is a church of about 300 people, a little bit smaller than ours, up in the north side of Brisbane. But because she's followed the call and the promise that came on that and she stewarded her life, she took note and she guarded what God had said to her in those moments of encounter has then led her to a place where she's exponentially touching community around her. And I want to tell you, it's not just because her name's cool and it's Jessie. It's because she decided that she would steward the words that God had spoken to her, the things that God had done to her, and she started to walk after it. What would happen if 200 people in this room actually got back to a place of going, God, what have you said for me? What are you saying for me? Who is it you want me to reach? What could we do to the Gold Coast? What could we do to Melbourne, to Sydney, wherever you're from this morning? The Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. When Moses questioned what was going on, I love that God added that he would be the one that blesses him. When God said, ask the wives to go to the neighbors and they'll give scarlet and gold and all sorts of things, you will actually plunder the Egyptians. It was from that very offering that God told Moses to take up with his people that then eventually built the tent of meeting and produced the, the gold and the silver that was needed to, 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 to build the, the ark and the presence of God and, and to build the, 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 the meeting place. See, what God has a plan for your life and will speak and will release in a moment of encounter it could be the provision that would bless a community, a generation in 10 years, 20 years, 100 years to come. You know, the one thing that I think we would all agree with. I just feel the joy in here. I know you're probably heavy, but I feel the joy. Is the revelation of Jesus. Not in the context of Moses, but now when we have an encounter with God, it should always point to the revelation of who Jesus is and the love that is in Jesus, the tangible agape love that comes from only God. I love what Paul said more than that. I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I consider them all dung, is what the CSB says, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. When we have an encounter with the presence and the fire of God, when God starts to pour out more and our hunger increases, we're going to be people that walk with more purpose. We're going to be people that walk with a bigger why. We're going to be people that walk in kingdom provision. We're going to be people that are touching communities and generations around us. I wonder if Moses ever thought that he would be walking through the wilderness with millions of people following him from being insecure, no purpose, lost, 
pretty vacant on the side of the mountain of God, Mount Horb or otherwise known as Mount Sinai. It's two things I'll give you this morning and I want to pray for some people, uh, some of our pastoral team. If One, you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says through the laying on of hands and prayer that you will be baptized. We're going to believe if you've never been baptized and speak with other tongues in this morning uh, that you would be baptized. Um, believe me, there are donuts at the door. You can grab them. We're going to be back here tonight. But this morning, if you just want more, I just feel like, uh, like, like, like God wants to do something in this atmosphere, not just because of the preaching, but I feel like God is, he, he wants to set a blueprint. He's giving us the plans to actually deliberately seek him. And not just turn up and think, hey, I just hope God like shows up today. Actually turn up and say, God, no, I, I want your why. God, I want more purpose in my life. God, I want, I want you to lead me. I want you to direct me. I want you to guide me. The two things that stand out to me uh, that I believe create the altar where fire falls. One is thanksgiving. See, thanksgiving uh, always comes from a heart of gratitude regardless of the circumstances and the situations that you're facing. To be honest, when I woke up this morning on my couch, uh, after sleeping for about four hours last night, uh, like naturally I would have been like, I woke up, man, I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord was all over me. And it wasn't because I'd prayed in tongues for an hour, but there was something in my heart, and it's not even a new baby. Maybe because I was coming back to church, I'd missed you guys, missed worship for a week, but I just, just had this expectation that God was going to... So what I started to do is I started to give thanks. God, I thank you for worship this morning. God, I thank you for, 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 for what you're doing this morning. God, I thank you for our interns. Lord, I thank you that you're going to heal Lily. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're going to touch both services this morning. I thank you that our kids are going to start speaking in tongues and kids' church, Lord. I just started giving thanks. See, where you start to give thanks, even if your heart isn't in a place of gratitude, it conjures, it stirs something, it moves something that causes you to get alignment. The second thing that I know about creating an altar where the fire of God falls is having a heart of honor. Honor is a key to the presence of God. Maybe a silly example, but Moses made a decision that he would turn and honor the burning bush. The Bible says that God watched from the side my paraphrase was to see what Moses would do. The, Moses, the moment Moses stood towards the fire, God was then found in the burning bush and talked through him. At that point, he said, take off your shoes for the place you are standing is holy. See, honor isn't just like honoring Pastor Justin or honoring your executive or honoring your boss or honoring. Honor goes both ways. Honor is up and it is down. Honor in a kingdom sense is everyone around you. It's the guy who's lying in the street who hasn't had a meal for a week. It's the businessman who walks in. That's what kingdom culture is because we see it in the life of Jesus. You've heard me say so many times, it's one of the greatest books I've ever read by Russell Evans, Honor, the Key to Something, uh, Kingdom maybe. And in this book, he talks about it. We based our foundation of young adults and we let it here on this book and, and it's brilliant. That which you honor, you walk towards. So if I honor Trev, it's not Gus, it's Trev. I walk towards Trev. And because of my lifestyle of honor, not just lip service, but honor to Trev, what that does, it opens up me to receive whatever anointing is on Trev. See, whatever you honor, you walk towards. And whatever you walk towards, you receive from. So then you walk away carrying double portion. I said this to the service this morning. Would you stand with me in this place? I want to challenge you with this thought on honor. If Moses was in this room 
and he was standing there and he was having a conversation or you saw him out in public or he was having a conversation wherever the narrative takes place. Moses had a conversation with what looks like a bush to us. But we know the story of Moses and that he was talking to a burning bush and it was a holy moment with God. Naturally, we would honor that place because we know Moses is having a conversation with right, with God, right? So what is different from when we're seeing someone in an atmosphere of a holy place, be it a church, be it a prayer meeting, when they're having an encounter with God where we have feel we have the right to look and to judge? Oh no, that's just, why are they laughing? Why are they crying? Why are they doing that? Naturally, our flesh is inquisitive. But can I tell you, if you would start to change the question of the why and start to poise yourself in a position of how do I get close? How do I get close? You know what I used to do? When I would see Pastor Mike and Pastor Bennett and Pastor Eric and Pastor Richard and all the pastors, when I would see them start to, to manifest in the presence of God, I know that people in my community would like laugh at them and mock them and they'd be like, hey, there. But I was like, like, and I'd be like, kind of like, just touching Mike, I'd be like, I just want some, God. I just want some. See, when you encounter the presence of God, I believe one touched, you can be forever changed. But I also have experienced time and time again that every time you have an encounter with the holy presence of God, something shifts. And you know, for me, if it's only just a little bit every time, that's okay because I'm in the presence of God. Come on, why don't you just raise your hands in this place? Yeah, Spirit of God. Holy Spirit all over this room right now. God, not out of emotion, but God, you, your presence. Lord, you say where two or more are gathered, you're there amongst them. Father, there are people in this room that are looking for the why. They're looking for the purpose that you have for them, God. There are people in this room that need insecurity broken off them. People in this room, Lord Jesus, that are even right now holding on to kingdom provision, God, that need your direction and where to plant that seed. Father, people in this room, Father, that have lived a lifestyle of honor and just desire to give more thanks, Lord, in this moment, Lord, I just pray that you would do what only you can do. I love that song, It's Your Breath in my lungs. Come on, worship team, if we can just pour out our praise.